night. Good morning, New Life Cabot. How's everybody doing out there? I feel like I'm at the first church of the sardines. You guys are packed in here. Good night. We need a new building. Anybody ready for a new building? Come on. It's almost here. It won't be long and it's going to be here. And It's great to be in Cabot. I love coming here. Actually, my wife, Sherilyn, of 22 years. How about that? She's here. I was 12 when we got married, 12. And uh, my daughter, Caitlin, who's 19, is in the house. My in-laws are actually here. And uh, so James just helping your attendance today. So anyway, um, <laughs> hey, it's great to be here. I got to tell you what, Cheryl and I, we love coming over here because we love you guys. But also, James and Cody, they've been friends of ours for quite a while now. Actually, they, they pastored my daughter back in, in kid life a long time ago, what seems like a former life now. And uh, they are great friends of ours. Let me tell you what, if you're visiting you haven't been here long, here's what I want to let you know. In my opinion, I think you got the best, best pastors on the planet. I love them. I absolutely love your pastors. I'm going to tell you what, if I, if I wasn't a pastor over there, if I wasn't doing that, I'd just run over here to Cabot because I love them, I believe in them, I know you do too, and that's why you're here. And uh, you know, it's been a good year for James, right? Yeah, James, the Broncos won. Yes. I, I know you all have not heard anything about the Broncos or Peyton Manning, right? I've noticed, I looked at some survey the other day, I saw that 5%, actually 5% of Americans claim to be Broncos fans. That's, that's impressive. But what that really means is, is that 95% of the people are sick and tired of hearing about the Broncos, James. Go Spurs. <laughs> Go Spurs. <laughs> All right, it's great to be here today. Look, you're the Bible. I hope you're loving the year of the Bible as much as I am. We're going to dive right into the Word today. We're going to be in a book. Probably a lot of you don't read all the time, but you're reading it this year. And uh, hopefully you're growing to appreciate it. That's the book of Numbers. That's where we're going to be today. And we've been reading in the book of Numbers as long, uh, uh, along with Mark and a few other Psalms and Proverbs. But today, Numbers 13 and 14. You read this actually on Thursday and Friday, I believe, of this past week. Let's jump right into the Word. I'm going to give you a, a quick Cliff Notes version of what we're going to read today, and then we're going to dive into some points I think you can use in your life. And so here's what happens. They've crossed over the Red Sea, the 12 tribes. Moses says, look, I want to send one leader, one spy from every single tribe. I'm going to send you into the land of Canaan, the promised land. I want you to go scout it out for us, all right? So here, let's, just, let's pick it up right here, Numbers 13, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan which I am giving to the Israelites. That's important. I am giving it to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. Twelve spies go out. And over the next 12 chapters, we're not going to go through this completely, you're going to read about the name of the tribe, the name of the spy, his baby daddy. You're going to read everything about these 12 spies. Let me give you the names of the, of the 12 spies, all right? Shamua, I didn't say Shamu, that's a big whale that you go see in Florida. Egal, Palti, Gadil, Gadai, Emil, Sether, Nabi, Guel, and Shaphat. I didn't say she's fat, I'm much smarter than that, I've been married a long time. Alright, have you heard of any of those ten guys? No. You've never heard of one of those ten guys. Here's why you've never heard of those ten guys. Those ten spies ended up being bad spies. They brought back a bad report that contaminated the entire Israelite nation. But you have heard about the last two spies. You've heard about Caleb and Joshua. Those were the last two spies. And the reason you know about them is because they brought back 
a good report. They were blessed by God. They actually ended up leading the children of Israel into the promised land. Because why? Because they had a different spirit. Because they saw the situation. They saw the land through eyes of faith instead of through eyes of fear like the other ten. And because they saw the land through eyes of faith, they were blessed. But the other ten, because they saw it through eyes of fear, they never saw the promised land. And the rest of the Israelite nation, all of those above the age of 20, never saw the land because they rebelled along with these ten spies. So here's what I want to ask you is, what area of your life are you dealing with fear? Where, what area of your life are you focused on the, on the obstacles instead of on the evidence that God has given you time and time again that He's going to be with you? I've got to tell you, I've dealt with this before. I remember when God was calling Cheryl and I to come on full-time staff. I, I was struggling at the time with fear. I, I was struggling with fear. I, I had all these excuses why, God, I can't do that. I, 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 haven't, I haven't been to Bible college like some of these guys. Um, financially, we're doing really, really well, and I, I don't know if we're going to be able to make it. And I, I came up with all, I was looking at the situation through eyes of fear. Thankfully, finally, we began to see it through eyes of faith. We remembered how God had got us through every single time. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is how do we see our situation in front of us? How do we see the mountain in front of us through eyes of faith instead of through eyes of fear? But before we do that, I want to give you a little bit of history, a little bit of education. We're in the book of Numbers. Most of you, you, you don't sit around and read the book of Numbers very often, all right? So let's just, let's just tell you a little bit about the book of Numbers. Why do they call it the book of Numbers? The reason why is because God asked Moses to take two different censuses. They took one at the very beginning of the book. Beginning of the book. They took this census one year after they had crossed over the Red Sea, after they had come uh, to the Mount Sinai. He had, he had them take a census. I want you to count every tribe, every person in every tribe. They did it. I mean, to the number, they could tell you. You can read and see exactly how many people were there. Then they took a second census almost 40 years later, and that was when they were about to cross over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. That's where you get the book of Numbers. That's why they call it the book of Numbers. Since we're talking about the book of Numbers, let's talk about numbers. I used to be a CPA. I love talking about numbers. All right, so here we go. The number 11. Write that down. That's an important number, the number 11. Why is that number important? Because at this point in time, the time we read this story, they were only 11-day journey away from the promised land. Just 11 days. That's all it would have taken them to go into the promised land. The next number that's really important is the number 40. The number 40 is the number of days that these 12 spies were gone on their trip to scout out the promised land. They were gone for 40 days. Why also is the number 40 important? Because the number 40 is the number of testing. How many weeks is a woman pregnant? 40 weeks. How many of us know that's, that's a time of testing? Men, don't raise your hand. That was only for the ladies. I would not raise your hand on that one. Moses, Elijah, Jesus, they fasted for 40 days. It rained for 40 days on Noah. David... After he said, I will go fight Goliath for 40 days, he trash-talked Goliath before he went and conquered him. After Jesus ascended from, from the grave, he was on this earth 40 days before he ascended into heaven. 40 years is how long the Israelite nation wandered in the desert and in the wilderness 
after they left captivity in Egypt before they went into the promised land. 40 is a really important number in this story. The number 12, that's an important number. 12 is the number of tribes. It's the number of spies that ended up going into the land. 12 is also one of two perfect numbers that God says are perfect numbers along with the number 7. The last two numbers I want to give you is the number 10. 10 is the number of bad spies that came back with a bad report. That's really important today. And then the last number that we're going to talk about is the number 2. The number 2 is the number of good spies. Talking about Joshua and Caleb. Number 2 also has significance because that's the number of years in a row that Arkansas has beat LSU. And that's a really important number. Can I get a witness in the house? And we will do number three this year, so that's write that one down too. All right, so here we go. How do we overcome fear with faith? Here's what you've got to know. Fear will come at every single one of us. If you say you've never dealt with fear, then you're lying. I don't want to sit next to you because you're going to get struck by a bolt of lightning. We've all dealt with fear. But here's what you've got to understand is what is the difference between somebody when they're faced with fear that that they act courageous or they act like a coward. I want you to write this down. Here's what you've got to understand. Courage is doing it afraid. Courage is doing it afraid. I don't know what the it is in your life, but whatever the it is at the time is that you say, I'm going to do it even though fear is coming at me, even though I may be a little afraid, I'm going to have the courage and the faith to do what God is asking me to do. That's exactly what Joshua and Caleb chose to do. I've I've read countless stories of other people that did this same thing. I I read a story about a naval commander back in the 1800s. He was an English naval commander. They're out on the sea. And the scout from up above, he calls down and goes, one pirate ship coming our way. And so the commander, he calls down to the deck mate. He says, I want you to go below go down into my cabin, I want you to bring out my red shirt. And he asked him, he says, why are you bringing out my, why do you want your red shirt? He says, because if I get shot in battle, I don't want my men to see me bleed. I don't want them to lose heart in the fight. And then minutes later, the lookout, he calls, he says, hey, there's not one pirate ship, but there's ten pirate ships. And the commander says, hey, get my brown pants while you're down there. All right? And if you don't get that, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. They'll tell you when you get home, all right? So getting serious, here's what you've got to understand. We're all going to face fear. What kind of eyes are we going to choose to look at it through? Through eyes of faith, like Joshua and Caleb, or through eyes of fear, like these other ten spies? And so here's how Joshua and Caleb, how they chose to look at it this way. The first thing they did was they, just, they chose to believe the evidence and not the obstacles. It's so important. We see the evidence of God on the scene instead of focusing on the obstacles. Look here in Numbers chapter 13, verse 23. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them, look at this, two men. It took two men to carry it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs. I I can just see James and Jarrett have their little pole. They're just carrying back the graves. Can you see that? They do that for you guys. They love you. That's what they would do for you. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes that Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. Listen to their report. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them, to the whole assembly. They showed them the fruit 
of the land. They gave Moses this account. This is so important. We went into the land to which you sent us. God, we went to the land you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Yes, it's exactly like you told us. It flows with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But with almost every story like this, there's a big but that gets in the way. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. We saw the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Mosquito Bites, the Termites. They, just saw, they saw every kind of bite you could get. They saw it. And here's what I, I want to help you understand here is, put this in perspective. They just defeated the most powerful nation on the planet. God had them defeat the most powerful nation on the planet And here it is, they just meet a few tribes of people and they're scared to death. They're scared out of their mind. Why? Because these ten spies, they focus on the giants. But Joshua and Caleb, they focus on the grapes. Some of us in our situation that we're in front of, we have to focus on the evidence that God has given us that He is present, that He's going to give us what we promise, instead of focus on the obstacles that the enemy has put in front of us. And I'm sure every single one of us have a, a situation in our life that we need to do that right now. And I want you to think about how is it that you apply that to your life? How do you focus in on the evidence that God has been there for you time and time and time again? It's very clear. Joshua and Caleb They were going to choose to believe the evidence that God will get them through. Let's see what else they chose to do. The second thing they chose to do is they chose to silence a bad report with a good report. Silence a bad report with a good report. Numbers 13.30, it says, Then Caleb, he silenced the people before Moses, and he said, We should go up. We should take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. Why did Caleb know this? Because God had saved their honey a million times. I can just see them telling them, Hey, boys, look, how many times has he got us through? Have you forgotten about the plagues? Have you forgotten about the Red Sea? Have you forgotten about the manna? Guys, what's going on? Just think about all the great things that God has given us. He gave us a black cow to give us white milk and green grass and blue skies. Think about all the things that our God has given us. You know, at that time, they didn't have hospitals, right? So every time they were, somebody was going to have a child, I mean, they're there in their tent, they're in their, their little hut, whatever. I mean, the men, the women, everybody's helping to deliver the baby. If you've ever helped deliver a baby, you know there is a God in heaven. I, I actually helped deliver my, my 19-year-old daughter. I helped the nurse deliver our baby. The doctor wasn't in the room, and I helped deliver it. Whoa! Whoa, there is a God in heaven for that to take place. I I could not, well, anyway, I don't even want to go there. Um, Childbirth, childbirth, if, if you see childbirth and you think about everything that goes on with childbirth and you don't believe there's a God in heaven, there's something wrong. Think about this. A baby is floating in water for 40 weeks and never takes a breath. Is there any of you that can hold your breath underwater for 40 weeks? No. But supernaturally, God allows a baby to do that. What happens the second the baby comes out? (gasps) Immediately, it knows to take a breath. Immediately, it begins breathing. 
we know that there's a God in heaven. Joshua and Caleb, they remembered how great their God was, how, how many times their God had bailed them out. But here's what we got to know, and you've got to know this. Negative talk is contagious. We need to remember that negative talk is contagious, and we need to squash negative reports with good reports. Whenever you hear it going on, squash it. Look at the blessing that came to Joshua and Caleb because they decided to try to squash a negative report. But, unfortunately, this group of people didn't listen. Let's look at Numbers 14, 1-4, and you'll see. So all the congregation lifted up their voices. They cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel, they complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Wah, wah, wah. Bunch of crybabies. Instead of walking 11 days into the promised land, they decided to try to reach back and grab a hold of death and slavery and bondage. I can't think about how many times I see people when life is right there in front of them, they're going to choose bondage and death. Instead of saying, they they end up saying, I I don't want to pray. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to serve... I don't want to give. I don't want to be blessed. This is what they choose. Now, I have to tell you this much. That's not you guys. I know that for sure. I know James and Cody, they testify to me constantly. That's not who you are. I've seen it as that building is starting to go up, how you're faithfully giving to that building, how you are seeing that building. You're seeing your land, your land that God has given given us. You're seeing it through eyes of faith instead of through eyes of fear. Thank you for being faithful to that. Let's give yourselves and God a hand for that. Come on. You know, but, but it's, sometimes it is, it is difficult, you know, and uh, you start seeing things. I, I even, through the construction, there was a, a few times that James and I, we were, we were both seeing the obstacles instead of having faith, instead of remembering that God's got this. I remember we, it seemed like we were, it didn't seem like it, we were behind, <laughs> in the construction, and it was raining every single day. Like the month of November and December, it, I, I felt like Noah. I mean, it, it was, I, was, I was wanting to build an ark. And I was going to the contractor, and I was whining and complaining just like the Israelites. I was like, come on, man, we're, we're behind. And he said, Harry, I've ordered the steel, and when the steel gets here, we're going to be fine. Take my word for it. We'll be ready when the steel gets here. And I'm like, there's no way you're going to be ready. And day in and day out, I was wearing him out. I know he was sick of me. He'd see my number on his caller ID, and he wasn't answering it. He was sick of listening to my whining, kind of like God was sick of listening to their whining. And sure enough, when the steel arrived, the next day they started putting it up. He told me they were going to be ready, and they were going to be ready. In this situation, God told them what they were going to see, and when they showed up, that's exactly what they saw. And, and it reminds me of this. Just thinking about negative reports and gossip and things like this, it reminded me about 
our membership covenant here at New Life Church, one of our things that we put in there, our membership covenant, that you will see when you go through our Connect classes, listen to what it says. It says this. It says, I will protect the unity of my church. And it lists three things on how we protect the unity of our church. We act in love toward our members. We refuse to gossip. And we follow our leaders. That's how we keep unity. Let me read you a great verse here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says this. It says, have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Let me tell you this. When you back and support your spiritual leadership, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. It says it in the Word. I've seen it time and time again. As, as Pastor Rick I'm so thankful for he and Michelle, their faithfulness to, to the vision of the state, the way they love the state of Arkansas, how faithful they were in coming here. I know this, when I tell him, yes, sir, I'm blessed by it. You're going to be reading in the book of Deuteronomy about how Joshua, every single time that Moses told him to do something, he said, yes, sir. And Joshua was the one that God chose to lead that people into the promised land. Why? Because he always said yes to the spiritual authority over him. And I want to tell you this. I want to encourage you guys. I know you do it well. To pray for your leadership. To pray for your pastors. To back and support them and squash any negative report that you ever hear. All right? Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Here we go. The, the next thing that Joshua and Caleb chose to do is... They chose to refuse to rebel with the crowd. They chose, man, not to rebel with the rest of these people. Numbers 14 and 5, it says, Then Moses and Aaron, they fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. They couldn't believe the complaining. But Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, the son of, I call it Jep, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes. They said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, if He's pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and He will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. But the whole assembly, they talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. Man, nobody likes being around rebellious people, right? There's nothing worse than being around. I, I, thought, about, I thought about a couple kids that I coached and just how rebellious they are and how I didn't want them on my team. I wanted them gone. Think about the Cleveland Browns and Johnny Manziel. They wanted him gone. Nobody wants a rebellious person on your team. Nobody wants to be around a rebellious person. Let's be the type of people that, man, we're, we're not rebelling against what God has, but we're saying yes to what God has for us. And the best way to say this, and it's our last point is, the best way to do this is to maintain a different spirit. Maintain a different spirit just like Caleb did, just like Joshua did. Look what he says. Caleb said, if the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us in. He said, if the Lord is pleased with us. Here's what you're going to find out is that Caleb was constantly searching his heart. Lord, if there's anything in me that's not like you, 
pluck it out. Let me know. Bring it to light, Lord. He was constantly on his knees before the Lord trying to keep a different spirit, trying to keep a good spirit about him so he would have a good report versus a bad spirit and a bad report. He goes on to say in, in Numbers 14.9, he says, their protection has been removed from them. He's talking about these, these little tribes of people that they're about to go see. He says, their protection has been removed from them. The Lord is with us. How did he know the Lord was with them? Because of his experiences. Because all those times that the Lord was with them when they were coming out of bondage, he remembered, oh yeah, the Lord was with us. If he was with us then, and he said we're going to have this land, then he will be with us again. When we go to this land that God has given, given to you, you've got to know the Lord will be with us. We've just got to maintain a different spirit, a different spirit than the crowd has. We must see our enemies the way Joshua and Caleb did, stripped of their defense. Here's what you've got to know, that when Jesus Christ when he rose from the dead, when he conquered death, hell, and the grave, that Satan lost his power, that he lost his hold on you, that he has already been defeated by the cross. We can't lose sight of that. And listen what God said to Joshua and Caleb and what I believe he wants you to hear today. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different Spirit, and he has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land he entered, and his descendants, they will take possession of it because they maintain a different spirit. Here's the flip side of it. Here, here, here's the, the, the hard side of the story is, is that God got tired of the complaining of the bad the bad spies and the people that began to follow them, their constant complaining, he got tired of it. And as a result, not one adult over the age of 20 saw the promised land other than Caleb and Joshua and their descendants. For the next 40 years, they wandered lost in the desert, lost in the wilderness, and they never saw the promised land. It says here in Joshua chapter 40, chapter 14, verse 30, it says, except for Caleb and Joshua you shall by no means enter the land which I swore which I would make you dwell in and you know this isn't just an Old Testament story it's a New Testament story if you want to go read Hebrews chapter 3 it recounts the whole story it starts back in Egypt it talks about how God sent the ten plagues it talks about how he freed them from bondage it talks about how he parted the Red Sea how day in and day out he fed them with manna how he brought water out of a rock for them but this group of people still they still didn't believe and their unbelief their unbelief is what kept them from going into the promised land in Hebrews 3.19 so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief so here's the question for the day are we going to trust God are we going to see God through eyes of faith are we going to walk into the promised land to everything that God has for us? A life full of blessing. Are we going to be that kind of people? Are we going to be that kind of church? Are we going to see the situation and the obstacles through eyes of fear? So right now, I just want to ask you to bow your heads all over this room. Here's what I believe. I believe some of you, you're probably up against situations where 
you've been seeing it through eyes of fear and you know without a doubt that God gave this message today so that you would be reminded of how He has constantly brought you through. Time and time again, He's brought you through. And look, look, here's what you got to know. In this world, we will face trouble. But please know, Jesus said it. He's overcome the world. Our battle's not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle, and Jesus has won the battle. He's defeated death, hell, and the grave. And right now, all He wants to do is for you to say, I trust you. God, I trust you. I want you to be able to rely on me that I'm going to bring a good report every time. So if you're here with your head bowed and eyes closed, if you know you need to get it right with God right here today, you need to say, hey, I'm going to trust you. I want to ask you to raise your hand all over this room that you know that God is calling you to trust him. Yes, see you here. See you back there. Yes, a lot of hands going up. Keep them up. There's hands everywhere right now. Yes, bringing a good report to the Lord right now. I want to pray for every single one of you right now. Just pray along with me. Lord, I trust you with everything. God, I'm going to choose to see the evidence that you're my God. That your Holy Spirit's drawing me to Jesus. I'm going to trust that you died on the cross for me, for my sins. I choose you. I choose the evidence you've given me instead of the obstacles that the enemy is putting in front of me. And I choose today to accept the salvation that you're bringing me and that today I know that I am saved by faith in you, faith in Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen and amen. Let's give God a hand for all the souls today. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for Harry. What a great word. Amen. It's encouraging. Praise God. Hey, family, if any of you made a decision today, uh, maybe for the first time, or you rededicated your life to the Lord, uh, we'd love to hear about that just so we can be praying for you and, and just serving you any way we can, get you connected. Uh, let us know on, on that Connect card here in just a second. We're going to be passing those buckets. You can drop those in there. I uh, also want to let you know that uh, I believe that you can make a, a, a private decision in your chair to follow Jesus, but it's very clear in the Word that being a Christ follower is, is a public thing. And the best way to go public with your decision to follow Jesus is water baptism. Uh, it just so happens we have a way to facilitate that for you today, right after our, our third service. We're going to be baptizing some folks, and so maybe that wasn't something you're planning on. You, you'll have some time. Uh, to go and get a change of clothes. But if you don't want to, we got to change of clothes right out of our welcome center. We, we would love, if, if maybe you weren't planning on that happening, you want to get water baptized today, we're going to be doing that right after our third service. And for some of you, uh, maybe it's just time that you, you finally make that covenant, make that commitment, and let everyone around you know, yeah, this is, this is who I am. I'm going to be a Christ follower. That would be awesome. And if anybody needs prayer after the service, we'll have a team of folks down here at the altar if you need prayer over anything. Let's stand together. We're going to continue to worship God with our giving this morning. Let's look at this verse together. This is David speaking. He says, But I am like an olive tree thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. I will trust in your good name in the presence of your faithful people. 
right before this in this passage, David was talking about these mighty men that were around him that were trusting in their own ability, trusting in their own knowledge, trusting in their own strength. And he was watching their lives fall apart. I love it. That comparison to an olive tree, if you know anything about an olive tree, they're some of the oldest living trees on the planet. It's because they have incredibly strong root systems. One of the things I've learned in my own life is that one of the ways that I stay strong in the Lord, no matter what storm comes my way, no matter what happens, is I need to have deep roots. And one of the things that I feel the roots of my faith grow deeper and deeper every time is when I step out in trusting God. And I just say, God, this is tough. This is not easy to do. But right now, I'm going to trust you. And I know that, that that can be difficult in a lot of areas of our lives, but it is especially difficult with our finances because that's the physical representation of what we think that we need to take care of ourselves. And God is saying, look, if you will bring me your heart and trust me in every area, I'm going to supply your needs and I'm going to make your roots go deep. So that no matter what comes your way, you're going to be strong in me. Amen. Let's pray over our giving. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to give right now. We, it's a blessing, Lord. We know that everything that we have is yours anyway. So we just return our tithes to you in obedience. And I pray a blessing over every person that is given in this service right now. Maybe they've already given online or they've mailed in their tithes and offerings. God, for every person that is obedient, trusting your spirit and and giving towards our new building, God, I, I thank you, God, for your favor, your grace, for your peace that transcends understanding in their life, for the joy that no situation or circumstance can steal that comes from you when we trust you. We want our roots to be deep in you so that we can see your blessing, so that we can be an impact in the world around us. We give now for your glory, for your kingdom, and for the value of souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give together.